Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, so glad you joined us again and joined me again. And in this case, us, because my guest is Stephanie Roberts. We're going to be talking about some very interesting pieces about how life intervenes, why it pushed her to do a podcast while being a digital content strategist in the background or on the day she does her podcast, at least in the background. (laughs) So if you're just joining us for the first time, so glad you're here because there's so much to learn, to be um, connect with, to understand you're not isolated or marginalized or anything when you have a problem. And many times if you're dealing with the difficult people I talk about, and you'll know about this, Stephanie, um, that those people make it their life's work to make you feel isolated and marginalized and wrong, wrong, wrong. So mm-hmm. having this podcast and having guests who know things about this, uh, whether or not you're in a relationship with those people I call hijackles, maybe it's just a difficult relationship or a difficult time for your relationship. So we want to be talking about that today. And if you enjoy this podcast, do leave a review for that or tell your friends tell your friends who might need to know because you want to be a resource for them too don't keep it a secret move on over there so let me tell you a little bit about stephanie she's an avid lifelong learner and a spiritual seeker she's a podcast host she has a great podcast i've been her guest it was my pleasure to do that and she shines the spotlight on women freeing themselves from emotional abuse and finding a way to heal and thrive on their own terms. Sounds good, right? She's a digital content strategist who works with experts, coaches, and spiritual healers to amplify their authority online via podcast guesting and strategic repurposing of content. So she says that you can jump off the content hamster wheel and make your content work for you by standing out from the noise and we know that that works because we make it work for ourselves don't we stephanie exactly (laughs) yeah so that's good so i'm going to jump in on the podcast piece because that's the piece that's going to help us talk about relationships the fastest yeah well thanks for having me here first thank you (laughs) it's good to be here oh well you're so welcome um tell us why you decided to have a podcast that helps people free themselves from emotional abuse what of all the things you could have chosen to podcast on made you choose that yeah well i was in a situation myself where i just felt so stuck and i had tried so many things i was in therapy i had books i had audiobooks, I chose journals, I did all kinds of self-help myself. And I was like, this is not getting better. It was just getting worse. And then mm-hmm. things kind of came to a head for me during a period where I, I had listened to podcasts for many years, but I started listening to John Lee Dumas, who is like the king of podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was one of the first people to have a daily podcast. And so I was getting used to 
between driving into work. I worked at MIT, so I had like a 30-minute ride in and out. And I would put in my earbuds and listen to audiobooks that filled me up or podcasts or whatever. And it just felt like such a great kind of personal way to, I guess, almost privately, like directly pour positive information into my brain. So when I was coming out of my very toxic situation, which was not pretty at all, I said, I want to do that. I want to do this for other people. And my background was media. I have a degree in film. I work in public television and in academia. I did a lot with like web development and that kind of stuff. And so for me, it was not going to be super challenging. So that was my dream to put something out there to help other people. And what happened was actually when I moved to a new town and I started talking to other people about my situation and I didn't even mention the podcast. Um, it just more and more people were saying, that's my story. That's my sister's story. Oh, I work with a woman like that. Oh, my sister-in-law or my mom, my, you know, and I was like, wow, this is crazy how prevalent this was. I had no idea. I really, truly didn't. And I had enough books about it toward the end that I knew that, it, you know, I wasn't the only one, but I had no idea. I, ca- I kept calling it the um, silent epidemic. <laughs> Well, it is the silent epidemic, so that's a good good thing to talk about because of this marginalization and this isolation. Because when you're with a difficult person, and you know I call them hijackals so that we're not trying to diagnose anybody, but they're just generally difficult, toxic, hard to get along with, fault-finding, crazy-making people. And their whole game is to cull you from the herd and have them be the authority on your reality. And so, in fact, it is a silent epidemic because when you go out to tell somebody, maybe your best friend who knows you as a couple or somebody in the office or someone at church or someone in the community, you go out to tell them about your relationship and you're really kind of afraid to do it, but you really need to tell somebody. And hijackles paint a public picture of perfection so you go and tell them and they go oh i can't see that are you sure it's not your problem right (laughs) and then you get that re-wounding like oh i'm not even safe to tell somebody who knows him or her because there's an equal number of hijackles who are male or female so Mm -hmm. how long did it take you from recognizing that silent epidemic that you were suffering from to Mm -hmm. actually move along and say, no, not going to have this anymore. Yeah. Well, I think that I was aware of it pretty early on and we were together for about eight years. I have to say I had a similar relationship before that, which I thought I healed from and was like totally cured and I had my eyes wide open. It could never happen again. Um, and I gave multiple people a book that I had called In Sheep's Clothing, right. um, which is a really good book, but not good enough to cure me. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, so, let me say something about that just while you bring yeah. it up, Stephanie, so we don't lose it. Sure. Reading books is for recognition and realization, yeah. not right. for reading. 
Exactly. So it's not a surprise that, you know, you, you felt you were informed and your eyes were open and that's a great first step. But for anybody listening, who's just started to realize that maybe it's not me that's the problem in this relationship and you go out, maybe look for, for that book in sheep's clothing or, or any of the other myriad books that are out there and you go, Oh my goodness. Or my book. You know, right. I've got three books about hijackals. You can go find those. Um, you can get my free ebook for heaven's sake. It's called How to Spot a Hijackal. <laughs> right. Just go to hijackals.com. So, you know, the information is available, but to be able to then know what to do after the crisis is over, after you have finished, after you have made the decision or need to make the decision to leave, then when you finally get into a safe space, and then you've still got all of the stuff that hijackers mm-hmm. like to do, the going to court, the yep. arguing over children, the withholding of money, the oh, all the things. Right. Then the healing begins. The rest right. of it is awareness. Right. Right. And and you know, getting a little empowered because oh my, maybe it's not my fault. If it's not my fault, how do I have to reconstruct my own thinking? So you got to that place where you did some reading and you realized, okay, I'm aware now, but I didn't heal because I got another one. Yeah. And so I was with that one and I saw red flags and I, you know, I was in a really vulnerable place. I had a mother who died of cancer around mm-hmm. the same time that I met him. I just, you know, there was a lot going on and I was of a certain age, hadn't had children yet. And in my mind, I was like, I'm okay with never having kids. I'm going to move to San Francisco, you know, do my life. And he just swooped right in and altered those plans kind of, and, you know, said everything he thought I wanted to hear. And um, I think what woke me up was one of the things was he was, we were retelling how we met and I said, Oh, you know, we really connected at this first conversation and he was laughing and, you know, all the other people that I had met through match.com had long emails and then they were weird at coffee dates. And he was the first one that I met and actually had a drink with him. And he was like, yeah, I couldn't hear you at all. So like he literally wasn't even hearing my words, but knew how to go. "Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, and there was some other guy when I walked to the bathroom, apparently was like, she's hot, you know? And so it was like an attaboy scenario where he, he wasn't even really connecting to me. And I didn't even find that out till years later, but it all, it kind of made everything make sense that there was this like false persona happening and there were red flags along the way. But when I was with him, we had, you know, children, a house, the whole deal. I just tried so hard to not be responsible for the universe. I was responsible for the recession. I was responsible for everything. That went wrong. I mean, <laughs> the I'm not IRS, taxes, yeah, the oh, weather. Yeah. yeah. Everything that went wrong was me. And I just, I did, I started to self isolate mm-hmm. and I just didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want to. And my friends were not really part of the picture. And I think they wondered what happened to me, but every time I'd make plans, they were sabotaged, you know? Sure. Yes. And yeah. Well, you're really talking about many of the high, the hallmarks of hijackals because what do they love more than ultimate control? If they can control the fact that they say, yes, we can go to that party and 10 minutes beforehand, you're not going anymore. They're happy. You know, they never intended to go in the first place. This is just a way of, of control and not making plans and things. And so they do after a while you may you may self isolate as you said, but 
on the other hand, they've been doing a really good job of calling you from the herd and oh, saying, for sure. you know, well, I don't much like that friend of yours. And why do you go talk to that one? And, and I don't think there's any need to see your mother anymore. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, certainly your mother had passed with the second one and, and you were in a vulnerable state. So right. what a perfect thing. You got the, the straggling behind last sheep, feeling a little sad and wounded. exactly yeah you know and i'm i'm laughing but it's shadow laughter i mean because these things that happen these ways that hijackals behave are so identifiable from way over here right when you're with them you're just really trying to make it work i mean Mm -hmm. they love good people they love good people who will be compassionate. Exactly. They'll give them a benefit of the doubt. They'll forgive them. They'll start fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I made a video the other day, Stephanie, on uh, love bombing, which is how a hijackal keeps you hooked on hope that the person you right. fell in love with is the real person. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so good people want to believe that that person that they met, that they fell in love with, is that person. And as they start to have kind of little holes in the armor here, and then they start shifting, and then they start caring less, and then they start blaming, and some of them do it gently. I've had people who have had quite decent relationships for up to four years before the wheels fell off. Interesting. Um, because they were getting so much from the relationship, right? right. But as soon as the children came, uh, then okay. there's a problem. Yeah. Right? Competition. Be- yeah. Because, yes, the competition, exactly. Now your time is divided, your attention is mm-hmm. divided. And then there's a horrible thing that happened. And maybe it happened in your relationship, which is they like to have a child, first of all, because it gives them control over you. Now, I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've got another tie to you. Right. But... And it's not that they're not interested in children. They they are, right. but they see them differently. As they see you differently, they see you as supply to give them what they need. Of yes. And so they see children that way. So here's the issue. I'm kind of interested to see if it happened yeah. to you with your girls, which is that they get to a a place where, you know, they're getting all kinds of, I'm turning my phone off, um, getting all kinds of good feedback from people oh your baby's so sweet oh isn't that wonderful and you know they're just happy as anything because they're getting all this attention but they're getting increasingly separate from you because that thing that came into the life has interrupted their flow of supply Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then the real crux is when the child gets to 18 to 24 months their brain development is at a place that the child finally realizes that my mummy and I are not the same person Mm -hmm. and I can separate. This is the first level of individuation that we have. And then they learn those magical words. No. Exactly. Yeah. At that moment, the hijackal gets a little crazy. Yeah. Because they've lost your full-time attention, and now that child is not just raining all their smiles, and I'll do anything you want to make you happy so you'll feed me on them. And the right. child is now saying, no. Did that happen? Um, with one of my children, absolutely, yeah. And I think, yeah, she was she was the, like the black sheep at age, you know, not even two. <laughs> she was, she was 
the outcast and kind of, yeah, cast aside. And there was a golden child scenario going on. It's classic. And I mean, I saw it without even reading about it and would explain. And then I would go and find out, oh, this is classic. But I thought it was, you know, wasn't surprised to find there was a pattern. But yeah, and that discarding of the cute little baby and making her this like evil child and even calling her, I'm trying to remember, it was like, wolf child or it was just this like you're a wolf child and I had to talk to both my kids about that and my older daughter who's five years older like when you call her that you're calling yourself a wolf were you raised by wolves and anybody who's calling her that you know like meaning her dad he that means he's a wolf right and I was trying to make a joke out of it but to 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 like say like we can't say things that are you know that are mean spirited and it just gets really tricky, Roberta. Like that's the thing. Like you struggle, like you don't, I really don't, even on this podcast, I don't want to put him, I don't want him to be the bad guy all the time. So then I look like the bad guy. Right. So what I try to do is just be the best mom that Mm -hmm. I can be and acknowledge when these weird things come up like that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there are many of them. Right. But it it is a tricky, tricky thing that I never really thought about when I left. And I think our life got way more complicated when I left. And that's not to say you shouldn't leave, but it's like, take your time, plan ahead. Oh, yes. Get a therapist, get people around you, including, you know, therapist, coach, um, attorneys who understand this personality type so there aren't like hard to find of little surprises along the way i had three lawyers so well, you, have, you have to you know and that because even though like I, when i work with someone and they're in the question you know what's going on that may be the question or maybe i've figured out what's going on now what to do and if they decide to leave i say unless there's sexual or physical abuse let's give ourselves a lot of time to plan this thing don't tell don't tell the hijackal you're leaving do your own work become empowered learn all the things that could happen learn how to interview an attorney to find That's out whether or not, yes, they, they they really understand this because attorneys like clients. So mm-hmm. they will say almost anything to get one. Yeah. And so they'll say, well, have you dealt with difficult people before, narcissistic people before? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, but no, 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 they haven't. Then they go to court and they're, they're silent. You know, they go, yeah. Well, they've got their money and they're out of there. And that's not all attorneys by any stretch. But it's really important to know how to get an attorney because you said you had three. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and one tip about that. Even if you go to, I think it's Avo or one of these attorney like review sites, there's a little pie chart at the bottom. And it shows how much of their experience is in what percentage. If it isn't 100% family law, you definitely don't want that person. I mean, you don't want somebody who's also doing real estate, finance, whatever. And I mean, not to say that every family lawyer is the best choice, but that's at least getting you closer (laughs) to some form of understanding. Yeah. Well, it's true. And then when you interview that 100% family, then you find out, you know, are you, are you, which arenas are you working in? Because Mm -hmm. family law has a lot of pieces. 
Right. And oh, sure so, so then being able to know this little fact that I hope everybody really, really believes me when I say this, a hijackal will fire attorneys until they get a hijackal attorney. Mm-hmm. And so they want one that's just like them. So you're going to face two of them in court. And if you go in with an attorney who is like, ah, what hit me? You are in a poor position. And so very important to know how to find these attorneys. So that's good advice. First of all, make sure that they're 100% family law. And then I would add, interview them to find out what's their track record on custody and assets and dealing with difficult people who come in and lie and manipulate and exploit and seduce the court. Mm-hmm. Because when we go to court, that's a snapshot for the court. They never see the video of your life. Exactly. They just see what was presented on that day, in that time frame, in that frame of mind <laughs> that the judge has. And, and whatever went down is where the decision is made. Right. So you have to be really super prepared in a very specific way for that. And I, I really take your point. Like So much work happens once you find, like, I am in a new situation. I got here consciously. I did it all right. But now you can't really be prepared for being brand new in the world. Right. <laughs> you know, like, it's now you're there set. with two children. You've, you've uh. got, you know, the resources have been shared. Things are right. ongoing. You're never completely free of a hijackle because they love to go back to court. You right. have the children tying you to them, so you have to communicate in some way. Oh, yeah. They're going to continue to play their games. Um, all they want is power over. You know, I do a lot of graphics, Stephanie, and I, I have this graphic that says, hijackles don't really have love to give you. They have uses for you. Mm. And I think it's important to remember that. I don't mean to tar them as completely right. black and white. I'm just right. saying that that they're more interested in what they can get from you and what you will give them and what they can take from you than they are interested in the well-being of the child, the well-being of the ongoing parent co-parenting relationship. Right. You know, so that's their tendency. That's their natural tendency. Um, they've been taught this very carefully most people who fall in the hijackal territory actually had those traits developed before 24 months old. Yeah. So it's not sure. like you're going to go back and change them. They're- I know, but Roberta, they're with people like me. We're like so empathic and loving right. and we want to believe they can be loved out of it. And so if you're listening to this going, Oh, she's so cold. Like that's not him which is what we would be thinking given what you just said. It's like, it's, they just were constructed in this family context and they know what they know. And it's like, it really is like being part of a pack or a tribe and you are, all of that stuff is kind of given to you so young and you don't question it. And it's all, you know, so anything outside of that, even if it's this oozing with love person, (laughs) You don't trust that loving person. You trust what you know because you think you're going to get who knows what, right? Who knows what they, they grew up with. And it's, that was the most disturbing thing to me was that yeah. this was the first time I couldn't love someone through something and get them to trust me. My love was the thing they didn't trust, that he didn't trust. That was hard. It is very, very hard. 
Yeah. I mean, when you're giving to someone and they can't receive or they won't receive, they have no receptors mm-hmm. for it. And they believe that the only way they're safe in the world is to have power over someone else. They're the ones who call the shots. They're the ones who make the decisions. Right. You know, that's very sad. But when when people are born into a family where there's a hijackal parent, there is going to be that 50% chance that in order to keep that parent happy, they had to jump all these hoops and be this way. So there's a 50% chance they're going to model themselves after that parent. And the other 50%, and of course all areas in between, but the other 50% is that you're going to be what I call hijackal bait. Right. You're going to, you're going to be formed in a way that you are so good at keeping hijackals happy that it feels comfortably uncomfortable to you, which is why you so wisely did so much work before you made the decision to leave because that's the best time. You don't want to go leaving unless there's you know physical or sexual abuse, but you don't want to go leaving and then be sitting somewhere disempowered, no money, no anything, and you're feeling like, oh, what have I done? And right. you're, you're just in a horrible mess. You may become depressed. You may For have sure. lost too much. You don't know how you're going to get it back. Much better to prepare, be the healthiest you possibly can, the most empowered. Learn some skills for dealing with them while in the relationship. Never, ever, ever, I'll say it again, broadcast that you're leaving. Right. That just causes more problems than you ever want to deal with. And, and tightening of a whole lot of negativity. So we don't want that, but so important. So you got out of this situation, you found yourself in a whole new set of issues. That's what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate. So I don't want to diminish. So when I left, I was, I literally said to people, cause I left for like a week and was staying with a friend. I, I say I escaped, I fled, whatever I had not been that mentally relaxed for about eight years, you know, and I actually slept my first full night sleep. It was like sleeping with the enemy. I had so much anxiety and the cycle of anxiety is you're so exhausted that you want to sleep, but you're so exhausted. You can't, and you're, you're, you have brain fog and it's, you know, all the same stuff you experience as a new parent with an infant, (laughs) you know, waking you multiple times through the night, except it's ongoing and there's really no respite from that. And I'd see a therapist, which they always tell you, don't see a therapist with somebody like this. And rightly so, because I would see this therapist and it was always on a Friday and I would sit there and try to be my best self and listen. And he had her in his pocket and it would just be so disturbing to me that I, and I was so low on sleep and I'm full of anxiety. I would be in tears. And when I left, I would get headaches. And so each weekend was like almost like a hangover kind of headache, except I didn't have the joy of drinking. And it was an emotionally draining, throbbing headache. So I was a mess. I mean, I just never felt good, you know. And then getting out was what I really wanted to say was all of that sucked, but getting out and not having the appropriate help, support that I mentioned, especially the correct attorney, that re-abuse in court and in court documents felt far more painful than anything I had been through. I absolutely know that I do because you can't believe you're still being betrayed after all you've given up. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really hard. I want to say something about the therapist situation because I am one, right? Um, 
you have to therapy. Sorry. Yeah. But even, but even that, you know, I have clients all over the world because I work via video conferencing and I work with a couple, you know, people will come and someone will have contacted me and they will say, I think this is what's going on. And I always invite them if they're still in the relationship to bring the hijackal with them right. because my hijackal radar is really good. Yeah. And, you're exceptional though. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying, Stephanie is choose, yeah. just like the attorney we were talking yes. about, choose a therapist who specializes in this and preferably right. one who's been through it. You can't do anything. You know, I was talking with a woman yesterday, and we were talking about her re- very recent sexual abuse. Mm. And she was raped. And she said to me, but I went to a, a therapist, and I've been three times. But she she's nice and all, but she doesn't really understand. I said, she's never been raped. She's never been right. assaulted. She said, yeah, that's the problem. Well, right. it's the same thing. You know, I have been raped. I understand that. So when I'm talking to her, I know what I'm talking about. I was raised with two hijackle parents. So I became hijackle bait on steroids. So I had the been there, done that marriage and had the nasty video and the ragged t-shirt and all of that. Right, right. Like you're talking the about. The bumper sticker, the whole. <laughs> yeah, the whole nine yards. and. Yeah. You know, then I had to figure out all this stuff because I lived in a small town. There was nobody. I tried going to a therapist with him and, you know, nah, this is not going anywhere because of exactly what you said. A hijackal will will manipulate the therapist over and seduce them to their way Mm -hmm. of thinking and rewound you who brought them there to get someone else to see what's really going on. Exactly. So when I work with couples, just to put this in there because of your experience, I tell my people, you know, I'll see you three times before I will really get into any depth. So I have ways of calibrating everything. And then what happens at the third time or sometimes at the end of the second time, I will ask the hijackal a question to which they will be infuriated. And at that moment, they quit. But because I work in packages, they've already purchased a package of sessions that now is available to the partner. Oh, I love that. Brilliant. So then that person, you know, they have the option of showing up, but they don't they don't want me in their life so much. So, you know, then we end up in strange places. You know, I've had all kinds of calls, Stephanie, that came from cafes in Saudi Arabia and things where they, they had to get their their get away and you know be able to talk and things which oh is goodness. why I now have my membership site but right um back to your story i mean now we've we've pointed out two things that you went through you were in a sense rewounded by therapy just mm. because the person did sure. not understand you yeah. were wounded by the first attorney or mm. two or <laughs> two right right because they didn't understand Just the whole process, yeah. And then at the same time, you're trying to be mummy and confident, and yay, you know, girls, <laughs> we can do this, and right. you know, hold the show together. It's really hard. So, yeah. high five to you. Oh, thanks. You got through it and <laughs> succeeded so beautifully, <sighs> and you're moving in great directions. So. 
I think it's really important for people to hear about your podcast, and I'd love them to hear yes. that from you. Tell them about it. Yeah, so it's the Audacious Life podcast, and it's theaudaciouslife.com. You can also find us over on iTunes. And yeah, I mean, there was a period where it was kind of on hiatus, but we're up back and running. And there's also a YouTube channel, which I will be posting a whole bunch of my recent uh, interviews. But there I interview survivors, some anonymous, some totally out. Mm -hmm. Um, I also interview therapists, a couple of divorce attorneys, um, people who are kind of spiritual healers who work on self and just that whole piece like, okay, you want to pull yourself out of the victim mode and really focus on, okay, we've called a spade a spade. Now let, now what about me instead of focusing on the, the hijackal, right? right? And then that's really what the show is about. It's like, how can you move yourself from where you were to the most beautiful life that you can imagine and get yourself to believe that you are worthy of that and that it is possible. And it takes baby steps because you've been programmed and your, mm-hmm. your life around you, everything you know, has probably been stripped away. So you're starting over. So it's really what it's about, starting over, learning yes. to thrive. And I've listened, and I hope you will too. It's great. <laughs> Go to theaudaciouslife.com. You'll find it all about it there. There will be a link to how you can get over to iTunes or wherever you like to get your podcast, because I'm sure you're on, on many, um, yes, many. many uh, places to get it. So... Stephanie, before we leave and end this, what would you say, what nugget of wisdom with this distance that you have Mm. would you give to a man or woman who is sitting there in their home listening to this saying, it sounds so familiar (laughs) and I I feel so trapped. What What would you tell them? I would say just listen to that inner voice. If this resonates with you, there is a reason. And then you, the best you can do is tune in to this kind of information and really begin to think about what you want, what you deserve, and take the long path if you want, but really listen to that voice. Don't sweep it under the carpet. Don't, you know, don't dismiss those true feelings because you deserve more. Absolutely. Well said. You do deserve more. You deserve to be happy and healthy, have a sense of well-being, to feel competent, to feel comfortable, and to feel confident. And that's a birthright. You have the right to take up space and draw breath and say what you think, feel, need, or want, as long as you don't mention any other human or pronoun. (laughs) There are so many things that you have the right to do. Don't let one person's need to have control over you to become the reason that you get up in the morning. Mm. As soon as you realize that my life is being limited by this, a relationship should support you to have more wonder, more joy, more emotional intimacy, that person who has your back, who walks by your side, that should all be there. If it is not there, work on it. If it is unavailable to you, find out. Mm -hmm. So important. So always remember, strong people get help. Totally. Yes. (laughs) So important. So thank you, Stephanie. 
Thank you. My guest today has been Stephanie Roberts. She's a very, very well-versed uh, person in the digital content world, but she's been through the experience of having a hijackal, a difficult person, a toxic person that much as you might love them, you have to recognize that they're unhealthy to be around often and they're not interested in changing. So thank you for sharing your story with us. You can find Stephanie at theaudaciouslife.com. I hope you'll visit that. I hope you'll listen to her podcast. And you want to find me, find me at 4forrelationshiphelp.com or my YouTube channel, 4relationshiphelp. Big surprise. <laughs> and over there, I have a weekly live stream show, 6 o'clock on Monday evening, specific time. Come, ask your questions, participate, be part of that. Get even more than you can. There's always new content. And Stephanie, as a digital content strategist, would tell you, yeah, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yes, you're doing a great job. Yeah, well, awesome. we're all doing a good job of getting the word out there to help other people as a result of our experience. So thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you in the next episode, and I hope you'll come and bring a few friends too. Take good care. I'm so glad you spent this time with me today. I hope you heard something that touched your heart and empowered you to move forward. You can have the life and relationships that you most want, and that begins with you within you today. I'm always here for you. Life can get better, and you heard that from me, the Relationship Help Doctor. I'm Roberta Shaler, and I work with clients throughout the world through video conferencing. We can talk. So learn more at 4relationshiphelp.com, F-O-R-relationshiphelp.com, or visit me on YouTube at 4relationshiphelp. Join me for next week's show.